नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया ओम अज्ञानचिमिदंदस्य ज्ञानांजनाचलाकाया चक्षुरु निलिधाम येना Tasmai Sri Gudabe Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapatantikam Bandeham Sri Gudo Sri Jutapada Kamalam, Sri Gurun Vaishnavam Scha, Sri Rupam Sagrajatam, Sahagana Raghunathan Bitam, Tam Sajivam, Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam, Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vitamscha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanda Radha Kanda Namostate Jayatam Suratau Pangor Mamamanda Matergati Matsarabaswa Padambojau Radha Madanamohanau Divyad Brindaranyakalpadrumada Sriman Ratnagada Singhasana Stau, Sri Sri Radha Srilakovinda Devau, Pristalibi Sevya Manos Marani, Sriman Rasada Sarambi, Bamsi Vata Tatastita, Karshan Venus Vanayar Gopir, Gopi Nata Sri Estunaha, Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Brindabaneshwadi Brishabhanu Sude Deve Pranamami Hari Priye Bansha Kalpa Tarubyascha Kripa Sindubya Ebacha Patitanam Pabanibyo Vaishnavibhyo namo namaha.
श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधार श्रीवासुदी गौर भक्त बृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्ण नमा ओम विष्णुपदाय कृष्ण प्रेष्टाय भूतले श्रीमथे भक्तिवेदी नामिने नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषा शून्यवारी हस्तते शिणे To everyone who has so graciously assembled today, I wish you all Sri Radha Gopinath's blessings, mercy, and divine grace on this holy occasion of Janmashtami, a celebration. that has brought devotees together over thousands of years Srila Prabhupada our beloved founder acharya he he described that krishna is within the heart of every living being not only is he in our heart but he's living in our heart and that is a very important um idea to understand or let us say an important tattva or truth to realize krishna who is seated in our hearts is not just an innate um object like one of the organs in our bodies nor is he just an impersonal presence watching us but he is living in our hearts mm-hmm. 
In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Ishwara Sarva Bhutanam In the heart of every living being, he is Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam. He's our most dear, ever well wishing, loving friend. He's our supreme lover. Ahambija Pradapita. He's our supreme mother, our supreme father. Um, many of us have some. And the power of a mother's love or a father's love or a lover's love or a friend's love is only possible because the spirit soul is part and parcel of Krishna who has the same qualities of, as Krishna in very infinitesimal proportion. Krishna has all these qualities in their perfect, most infinite proportion. So all love is part and parcel of Krishna's love. And specifically, Krishna's love is, is eternally personified in his Sladini Shakti or Ananda Shakti, Sri Radha. The love between Radha and Krishna is the source of all love. And everything in, in existence is a particle, like a sun ray is a particle of the entire sun planet. So all love is a, that, we, that we share in this world is a particle of the love between Radha and Krishna. And Radha Krishna's love is Karuna. Krishna's Karuna Sindhu. Sri Radha's Karuna Mai. That means they are filled with limitless compassion. And each jiva, each living entity is their beloved child. And in a purified state, we can become their beloved friend, parent, or lover. So the love of this world, when it is shared between people, in reference to the truth that it is Sri Radharani and Sri Gopinath's love that we are sharing, that they are mercifully, um, eternally bestowing upon us, then that love is deep and it's pure and it's eternal and it's real because the exchange has the truth as its foundation, that we are all part of Krishna and that Krishna and Sri Radha's love is the ultimate, supreme, all-pervading reality. But when we, due to our free will, when we habituate ourselves to forget that, to ignore that truth, and we put our own selfish interests in the center of our life, 
this ahankar or false ego that I am the body and the mind and I am the enjoyer, I am the controller, I'm the proprietor. And we identify ourselves and, and are practically forced to defend our position according to our race or our nation or our religion or our caste, whatever it may be. then our love is a reflection. It's, it's, a, it, it's coming from the source of Radha and Krishna's love, but it's, it's being misdirected and it's, it's covered by the illusory energy or Mahamaya. So Krishna descends, Krishna appears in this world out of love to remind us of where real happiness, real pleasure is. It's in the truth. Om Tat Sat. Om is the name of Krishna. It's an invocation of Krishna. Pranava Sarva Vedishu. Tat is truth and Sat means eternal. The eternal reality is that everything is in God, everything is coming from God. And in that truth is rasa, the loving exchanges that the Lord has with devotees, the loving exchanges that the Lord really has with everyone. But according to how we accept it by taking shelter of Krishna, by surrendering our ego to serve Krishna, then we could fully realize it, taste it, the amrita, the immortal nectar of Brahma. So it is that Krishna who is seated in our heart. Paramatma not only sees everything we do, hears every word, hears every thought, is a witness. We are, we are so limited and, and Paramatma is unlimited. We may be sleeping and lose conscious awareness of where we are, who we are. But Paramatma is wide awake, seeing, feeling, tasting, hearing, loving. Krishna tells, for every living being, I am the supreme ever well-wishing friend seated in the heart. And in this way, Samoham Sarva Bhuteshu, Krishna tells, he does not discriminate between one person and another. He's equal to all. But in that equality, he reciprocates with how we approach. This is Krishna. 
So it is that Krishna who is in our hearts, who are with us. When we pray, wherever we pray, whether we're in a lockdown or whether we're in a temple with thousands of people or we're in a yatra, a pilgrimage with tens and thousands of people in a holy place, whether we're in the banks of the river Yamuna or whether we're in a little flat in Mumbai, the same Krishna is in our heart eager to reciprocate. Srila Prabhupada would say that if we take one step toward Krishna, Krishna will take hundreds of steps toward us. Krishna is so eager for us, just waiting. As the Upanishad describes like two birds in the same tree, one bird is just watching the friend Please come to me. I will give you everything. Everything you ever wished beyond your imagination you will have. You will have eternal, limitless love, happiness, peace. The greatest of all forms of wealth that we're looking for, I will give you the treasure of prema. You can enter into my eternal loving pastimes in an an abode where there's no envy, there's no greed, there's only everyone is everyone's supreme well-wisher. Everyone knows that Krishna is happy when I love those who he loves and because Krishna loves everyone, To give Krishna happiness, we love each other unconditionally. And in this way, Leela, beautiful play. Krishna is inviting us. He's opening the doors for us. That's why he appears in this world. And if we could only recognize and be conscious that that same Krishna is within our hearts always. And we can turn to him there in any situation. When we're in the womb of our mother, he's watching, he's hearing. When we're on our deathbed about to leave this body, he's there and everything in between. And even if we go to take another birth, wherever it may be, if our karma is of such a way that we have to go to an insect, that same Krishna is there with us, never leaves us. Such unconditional love. So the idea of yoga is very much to reconnect with that loving Lord that is within our heart. And the idea of bhakti yoga, yogi nama pisarabesha madgatena in the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord tells that of all yogis, one who has faith and love, one who serves me with love, is most intimately connected to me in yoga and is the highest of all. So our path is to aspire for that love 
to pray for that love, to be willing to accept any situation that's favorable to serve in order to attract that love. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he he gave the simple lesson of Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago. That wake up. When we're awake, that love is who we are. It's what we do forever. But in this sleeping state, in the dreamlike condition of the ego, we're so much consumed by insignificant, fleeting aspirations in our life, just groping to try to find some pleasure, to try to find some happiness moment to moment, trying to invest our lives to earn something, to get some, some happiness with a promise for the future. But that future may never even come because everything is dying in this world. Everything is temporary in this world. We dedicate so much to get something and we may not get it. Or if we do, it's never enough, not for long. And very soon it's taken away or we are taken away. So what is real wealth? What is of value? Krishna appears in this world to remind us. And Krishna seated in our hearts. As we are speaking to others, uh, as we are interacting with others, whether it be general people or Krishna's beloved devotees, Whoever we're talking to, actually everyone in Krishna's eyes is beloved. But those who are striving to love him against all odds, with all the challenges of this world, are very, very dear to Krishna. So how we interact with one another, Krishna's watching within. And what choices we make under certain situations, what what priorities we have, Krishna's watching. But a devotee doesn't feel um, intimidated by that. It's not like um, a person who's doing illegal activities doesn't want one of these cameras to be watching him. A devotee finds shelter in knowing that Krishna is there for me. Whatever mistakes I've made, whatever um, diversions have happened in my life in the past, Krishna still loves me and he's still with me and he's, he's just waiting for me to change. Sarvadharaman Parityasya Mame Kamsharanamraja the concluding lesson of Bhagavad Gita 
abandon all varieties of dharma or religion and surrender. Surrender means to love. Love me, surrender to me. And I shall, I shall protect you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. And in that same 18th chapter of Sri Bhagavad Gita, our beloved Lord Krishna tells, Man mana bhavamadbhakto majyashim nam namaskru, mame vaishyashi satyam te pratijani priyoshme. He's giving us a simple process to surrender. Always think of me. Become my devotee. Worship or orient your life in a mood to please me and to serve me. In this way, if you just humble yourself before me, Krishna tells, you will come to my abode, you will come to me without fail. I promise you this, Krishna tells. Through Arjuna, Krishna promised each and every one of us and Krishna says, I promise this, you, this to you because you are my dear friend. Arjuna, he was Sakiras. He was the beloved friend of Krishna. But Krishna is the best well-wishing friend for everyone. And anyone who just does the will of Krishna in this way is Krishna's friend eternal dear friend. In Sri Brihad Bhagavatamrita, when Gopakumar returns to Goloka, um, Sarupa, Lord Sri Krishna, you know, how he welcomed him. You are my friend forever and all that you have gone through to come back to me. We all have that potential. It seems inconceivable. How is it possible we can have that potential to be such a dear friend to Krishna? A person who Krishna feels conquered by our love. We have that potential because Krishna loves us. He's made us that way. He's given us that potential. This material world is a, is, is, is a place that is meant to ultimately draw our awareness back to that. Such unconditional love. One of Krishna's six opulences is vairagya. Detachment. Humility. Although Krishna is the supreme creator, controller, and destroyer of everything that exists, that's kind of his official role as Ishwara. But personally, Krishna is the most playful, loving, attractive, beautiful person who finds the greatest pleasure in being 
conquered by the love of a devotee. So Krishna in our hearts, let us remember he's there. Whether we remember or forget, he's still there. And know that you know, just as um, Gajendra was in the crocodile's mouth, he was, it took that kind of suffering, that kind of total defeat for Gajendra to remember that Krishna's within me. And he took shelter. And that same Krishna that's within our heart is in the spiritual world in his full Bhagavan performing his divine leelas. And through the scriptures, Shastra, through our gurus, our Diksha gurus, our Shiksha gurus, through the sincere Vaishnavas, Krishna is manifesting his will. Krishna is the, the same Lord that is within our heart is speaking to us through Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra to welcome us and guide us home to our true, sweet home. The home that we are all so tired and weary from being away from for so long. Krishna appears in many incarnations. Yada yada hidanamasya glanir bhavati bharata. For the same purpose, to reestablish the principles of religion, to protect the devotees, and to remove the obstacles of the demoniac. Paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chaduskrita dharma samstapanaradaya sambhavami yuge yuge. But ultimately, Krishna comes one time in a day of Brahma in his original transcendental form of Shamsundara. Sri Brindavan Chandra, Sri Gopinath, Sri Madan Mohan, Sri Govinda Dev, Sri Brindavan Bihari, Sri Radharaman. The Lord comes in this beautiful form of Sri Krishna of Brindavan once in a day of Brahma and performs beautiful pastimes especially to attract our hearts back to loving him. Srila Prabhupada explained that through Parasya Shaktir Vavadaya Vashuyate, through his various energies, Krishna can annihilate miscreants. He can protect devotees. Through empowered representatives, can reestablish principles of religion. But the Lord personally descends into this world to attract our hearts by performing wonderful pastimes and giving beautiful teachings wherein 
um, we can we can purify ourselves and awaken our true quality of prema just by connecting with him because Krishna is supremely pure. Om apavitra pavitrova sarvavastam gatopiva yasmaret pundarikaksham sabaya pyantarasuchi. Whether we are pure or impure, if we just remember Krishna in a way that pleases Krishna, we become purified. Krishna is all beautiful. The whole energy of creation is people is attraction and attracted. We need pleasure, so we're attracted to those things that appear to give us pleasure. We want success, we want fame, we want health. We want all sorts of sensory experiences that give us pleasure. So this world, it's all going on on the basis of attracting. We're attracted to eating. Some are attracted to sleeping. Some are attracted to taking intoxications. Some are attracted to, um, you know, sports or music, whatever it may be, entertainment. But Krishna is all attractive. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells that everything that is attracted, attractive in this world, all of it put together is just a tiny spark of my supreme attraction. Like that beautiful story when devotees were marveling over an exquisite sunset and Srila Prabhupada smiled and said, if you think the art is beautiful, you should see the artist supremely, limitlessly beautiful. It's almost impossible for us to imagine. But actually, we're not even this far away. Krishna's in our heart, right next to our eternal soul, forever. That's how close we are. But the power of maya makes us think that we're so far away. How inconceivably wonderful is this maya, this material energy? We are, there is nothing closer to our true self, our soul, than the Paramatma Krishna. And yet, we become so lost. Some people in this world, in some species of life, they just have no awareness from birth till death of God. They just live according to his plan of nature. And in this human life, which is so precious, it's the opportunity to reawaken our eternal self.
people create philosophies, ideologies, sociologies, scientific thesis that ignores the very existence of God. And then when we turn to God or religion, such a strong tendency to just do it in either a, a ritualistic or a superstitious or a way that's serving the needs of our own egos when its real purpose is to free us from the egos. We use religion only to build up and make our egos stronger. And even when we understand all of these things and we're trying to surrender to Krishna and we're performing our sadhana, we're chanting Krishna's holy names and we're hearing Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam and we're trying to worship deities and serve devotees and, 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 and share this message with others, even then, how is it we seem so far away from Krishna? when there is nothing in all existence. Sometimes we say we take things for granted if they're too close to us. Well, the Paramatma forever is the closest person, the closest thing, always. And he's fully alive, fully aware filled with limitless love for you, for me, for all of us, just waiting. So it is to bring us back to the path of real happiness, real peace, which comes through real love. And when Krishna talks about surrender, he's speaking about the ultimate freedom. In the material context, the idea of surrender is something that's very fearful. We don't want to give up what we have. In the material sense, surrender means give up what you have. But in the spiritual sense, surrender means give up the illusion so that you can receive the infinite blessing of the treasure of Ananda, of spiritual happiness. And when we have that happiness, our goal in life is to share it with others. In the spiritual world, everyone is sharing their love for Krishna with everyone else. And in the material world, a devotee, in a different way, wants to share her or his love for Krishna with everything, with everyone else, among the devotees and among everyone, every species of life. That is bhakti yoga. Janma karma chamedivyam evam yobiti tattvata. Krishna tells in Gita that one who understands 
the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities never takes birth in this material world again, but attains my eternal abode. So Krishna came just toward the end of the Dwapar Yuga, before Kali Yuga began, to establish his wonderful pastimes. He performed his leelas in Vrindavan, in Mathura, in Dwarka, for approximately 125 earthly years. But actually, these leelas are eternal. The leelas of love in which Krishna is reciprocating with devotees are eternal. They have no beginning and they have no end. And Krishna, when he, when he performs these leelas, he brings with him such a mercy, such a kindness. And Krishna's personal. So as Vaishnavas, we take things in a way that is where we are personally grateful. If we have a humble heart, we can be so personally grateful. And in that disposition of consciousness, then we know that Krishna performed all his leelas just for me. Each of us could think that way. That's what Krishna wants us to feel. He's performed these, all these leelas just for me, but with this awareness, we know that Krishna is so great. Krishna is so limitless in his rasa bihari nature that he's performing his leelas just for everybody. There's no need to compete who's better than another because Krishna can love and reciprocate and appreciate everyone intimately simultaneously. The more we understand our own good fortune, the more we appreciate everyone else's good fortune. That's spiritual psychology. Material psychology is when we have good fortune, we either become arrogant or if somebody else has a better fortune, we become depressed or we become envious. But when we taste the sweetness of Krishna's love, then we understand how beautiful it is. And we know that Krishna, in the same personal way, loves everyone. And our happiness is, is, is reminding each other. And that's what bhakti is, sharing Krishna's love with each other. Parikshit Maharaj, he was cursed to die in seven days. He was sitting on the banks of the river Ganges, Ganga Mai, 
and all the great sages and saints came. And unanimously, they requested Sukadev Goswami to answer the king's questions and to speak Harikata for those seven days. The Srimad Bhagavatam was written by the father of Sukadev Goswami, Vyasadeva, who was the very literary incarnation of God himself. Sukadev Goswami spoke the first nine cantos of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the very essence, the crest jewel, the cream of all Vedic literatures. And in the first nine cantos, he's bringing Parikshit Maharaj and bringing every one of us who read it and hear it on a journey, on a journey through all the various layers of material existence into the philosophy, the culture, the character, and the emotions, the realizations of divine love. And it culminates in the 10th canto. After describing so many of the primary incarnations of Krishna, and the mercy of Krishna's loving exchanges between the devotees and the teachings that Krishna gives to all of us. And interesting, so many of the lessons of the Srimad Bhagavatam are in the prayers of a devotee to Krishna in his various avatars. The prayers of Kunti, the prayers of Prahlad, the prayers of Dhruva, the prayers of Ambarish, the prayers of Aranti Dev. There are so many, the prayers of Brahma and the prayers of Shiva and the prayers of the Devatas. There are so many beautiful prayers and Krishna reveals the highest truths through the words of the devotees in their offerings of love to him, which is very beautiful. That in the expression of love, humility, and gratitude of a devotee praying to God or to Krishna in his various ways includes the most profound philosophy, and directions of life. In the 10th canto, it begins with an example of how to approach Krishna. Parikshit Maharaj has for many days been fasting without food, without water, without sleep. And he knows he's going to die in just a few days at the most. But he's so eager to be with Krishna. 
He's so eager to be with Krishna's devotees. He's so humble. He's so grateful. This lolyam, this eagerness, this thirst, this hunger, it's, it's something that takes great advancement. But even if we don't have that advancement, we can aspire for that. We can put that on the pedestal of our aspirations. Parikshit Maharaj had no food or water for many days. And he's describing how he is so thirsty to hear more and more about God, about the supreme truth. Um, Every word he speaks is so totally free of ego. The reason why he has such a hunger and a thirst for Krishna is because in his humble heart he's taking shelter. Krishna reciprocates according how do we take shelter. So because he was taking shelter wholeheartedly, Krishna was paramdristvani vartate. He was giving Parikshit Maharaj such an incredible higher taste. When we taste the sweetness of Krishna's holy names, when we taste the sweetness of Krishna's divine pastimes, his words, his beautiful form, his seva, his presence in our heart and in the hearts of others, when we taste that sweetness, then all the apparent attractive things that mesmerize people covered by the veil of maya, we see them for what they are insignificant. But in proportion to how we take shelter. Parikshit Maharaj, he was remembering the very beginning of his life and the body that he had when he was in the womb of his mother, Aswatthama threw a brahmastra a supernatural weapon that was specifically aimed at killing singularly him. This flaming weapon, which was more powerful than an atomic bomb, but was so accurate and precise, it would only touch its target and nothing else. He saw that blazing weapon coming toward him. And his mother, his mother was crying out to Krishna, please save my child. We can imagine how how piteous, how desperate, how 
humble that cry of Uttara, his mother was. Her only child, her husband, Abhimanu, had already been killed. The other sons of Draupadi or the Pandavas had all been killed. Not only was he the only child of the mother, but he was the last surviving descendants of the Pandavas. Purutara was not thinking so philosophically or sociologically. She just loved that little baby more than her life. And now this power was coming from a tremendously um, gifted warrior that there was nothing she could do about it. We read about Draupadi's helplessness when we, she was being stripped by Dushasana. Well, Ashwatthama was even more powerful than Dushasana. And he wasn't just pulling. He was sending this massive weapon, Brahmastra. And it was on its way. He couldn't withdraw it. And Uttara, in a totally helpless state, she cried, Krishna, Krishna save my child. And Krishna reciprocated. And within the womb, he restored Parikshit. He restored that little child in the womb, his very life. And he gave that little child the ability to actually see him do it. How amazing is that? The first thing Parikshit Maharaj ever saw Usually a baby, they, the first thing they see is when they come out of the womb. But Parikshit Maharaj, the first thing he saw in his life was within the womb. It was Krishna. And not only was he just seeing Krishna, he was seeing Krishna saving his life. He was seeing re- Krishna reciprocating with his mother's prayers. Parikshit Maharaj, because he had that connection with Krishna his whole life, he was humble like a blade of grass. And being humble like a blade of grass does not make you a coward. Parikshit Maharaj was an emperor. He was powerful. He meted out justice where justice was required. But it was fair. And it was with compassion. But always, with that humility and that gratitude that what God has done for me, God has saved me. So really in this mood a devotee lives, that um, by the grace of Srila Prabhupada and by the grace of the previous acharyas in whom Srila Prabhupada, our beloved guru, manifested their mercy, you know, we, 
Krishna came into our lives. And after coming into our lives, he's giving us all the knowledge and all the opportunities to seek shelter of him. Parikshit Maharaj understood the value of being with devotees, being with liberated, enlightened people. And in that, in that association, he was just longing to hear more and more about Krishna. And as Sukadev Goswami was speaking, Parikshit Maharaj was becoming more and more attracted to And it is in that setting that Sukadev Goswami spoke Krishna's pastimes of the 10th canto. Who is Krishna? From the perspective of Brindavan, there's a beautiful chapter that Sukadev Goswami speaks. And I'd like to just briefly um, share this today on Janmastami. Krishna lifted Govardhan Hill. And he fulfilled so many purposes in doing so. His devotee, Indra, who actually assumes very high responsibilities on behalf of Krishna within this creation, became affected by the influences around him. He had beauty, incredible power, incredible wealth, incredible fame, He had all material opulences that are beyond anyone's imagination in this little earth. And having all those things is part of his service. But even as a devotee like Indra, there's, we have to be very careful. Um, We read about how Bharat Maharaj, he was a great devotee. But in his inattentiveness and without proper association, he became so um, materially affectionate and attached to a little deer that so much was forgotten. But Krishna, who is merciful, restored him. Even though he took birth as a deer, he had the full consciousness of his mistakes in his previous life. And he fully took shelter of Krishna as Jad Bharat. Krishna is always affectionate to devotees. Yasya hamana grinami harisheta dhanam shanai. Krishna will give us or he will take away according to what's best for us. Srila Prabhupada told us that his father once said to him, 
that when Krishna wants to take away from you, he has ten hands and you only have two. So you can't hold on to anything. And when Krishna wants to give to you, he has ten hands and you only have two, so you can't even receive it all. That is Krishna. But Sudhadam Sarabhabhutanam, whatever he does is always as a well-wisher, as a friend, to show his love for our immortal, eternal soul. Um, Indra, he became very infatuated by the fame and the wealth and the incredible skills that he had. And because of that ego, the ego covers, even though Krishna, the Lord he prayed for, was living in the world as a little cowherd boy, he could not recognize him. So Krishna wanted to liberate Indra from this ahankar, this false ego. And such a wonderful pastime. In the process, he gave so many lessons that are enshrined in devotees' hearts forever. When the rains came and Krishna lifted that gigantic mountain, Govardhan, with one little finger of his hand, and he held it up for seven days and seven nights effortlessly. And he was only seven years old. The Brijabhasis under Govardhan Hill, Krishna reciprocated fully with each one of them. Even though he was standing in one place, he wasn't touching anyone. He was only giddy Through his glance, through his smiles, he was fully enchanting the hearts of everyone. The gopis, Sri Radha, the Sakis, the Mandaris, and other gopis, Nanda, Yashoda, and all of the elder gopis and gopas, the the Saka friends, the cowherd boy friends of Krishna, the servants, the cows, the peacocks, everyone. Everyone felt, I belong to Krishna, Krishna belongs to me. Krishna was fulfilling everyone's innermost desires 24 hours a day for seven days under Govardhan Hill. The rasas exchanged. Aracharyas tell that as there was a great storm, massive storm from the the most powerful clouds of creation pouring outside and over Govardhan Hill, under Govardhan Hill, there was a massive, infinitely powerful storm of prema that was completely showering upon everyone. The shower of grace. And there was rainbows above the hill and Krishna's 
peacock feather was like a rainbow that was illuminating everyone's hearts under covert on you. His smile, his moving of eyebrows, the loving glance of his lotus eyes. And sometimes with his right hand, he would play upon his flute while holding Govardhan Hill up with his left. The beautiful ambrosial sound, the deepest ecstasies of his love for each devotee coming from his heart. He was, he was blowing through his flute and to each person, the sound was, per, was, was individual and intimately just for them. The cows would raise their ears and cry. The peacocks would dance. The river Yamuna would stop flowing. Everyone was mesmerized with love because it wasn't just music. It was in sound vibration, the personification of Krishna's infinite compassion and love for all beings, and each person taking it so personal. And ultimately, when Krishna plays for Sri Radharani, and everybody in Vrindavan really knows that he's playing for Sri Radha, that makes it even more personally intimate with them. That is the nature of Brindavan. So this was for seven days. And Indra was ultimately humbled. In those seven days, with all the tornado, hurricane, and massive winds that he was sending, in all the rain, he could not move a single particle of dust. He could not remove a single leaf from the tens and thousands of trees. He had no effect. Then he realized Krishna's God, Krishna's Parabrahman, the Supreme Brahman, and the rain stopped. Krishna put the hill down. And afterward, all the devotees of Vrindavan, they were not thinking Krishna's God. They just couldn't. He was just too lovable. Even though they saw him do things that were impossible, still, they considered him to be so vulnerable because in presenting himself that way, he attracted a more intimate, a most intimate form of love for him in each of their hearts. So the Brijabhasis, when Krishna put the hill down, they, they were massaging his limbs because he must be very tired and it must be hurting, and they were giving him so many foods because he must be hungry, and they were doing many pujas to protect him from calamities. 
It was beautiful. They were embracing him, crying in love. Just how wonderful is Krishna? And then Krishna went to, to go into the pastures and the forest to see how everything and everything one was. And it was at this juncture, just after Krishna put the hill down and was um, was worshipped in the sense of offered all love by his parents and all of his well-wishers. And then he just went off alone into the forest. And Indra was going to Brihaspati, his guru, and said, what should I do? Now I understand who he is. I tried to kill him and destroy everything and everyone he loves. Brihaspati said, you are a fool, Indra. You should go to Brahma. And Brahma told him, Indra, what a fool you are. Why you did? You should go to a cow, Surabhi. Because if you want Krishna's favor, after all you've done, you really have no place to approach him directly. But if somebody who he loves, somebody with all humility and compassion, appeals to Krishna on your behalf, then Krishna will surely accept you. So that Indra, the king of the Swargaloka, approached Surabhi, a simple mother cow, and she felt compassion to him. The nature of a Vaishnava is compassion, Krishna's compassion. And she brought Indra to that place. And meanwhile, just before that happened, excuse me, technology is making noise. Just before that happened, the gopas, the elder cowherd men, they were talking among themselves. What did we just see? Krishna just lifted that hill effortlessly for seven days. Not just a hill, a massive mountain. Giriraj means the king of mountains. In those days, it was enormous. Even today, inconceivable. How is that possible? And they were thinking, we would sometimes, when Krishna would do amazing, wonderful things, we were thinking it must be because he's blessed by the Brahmins. Or perhaps... He's able to do all the, these, these supernatural things because um, because Nanda Maharaj, his father, because of his good fortune, Krishna is being protected. 
or perhaps it's because he's such an innocent child, the Supreme Lord Narayan is always having mercy upon him and empowering him to do wonderful things. That's the way we used to think. But now, after seeing him lifting this mountain for seven days, how is it possible? It's only possible if he's God, if he's Bhagavan, if he's the supreme truth, if he is Narayan, no one else could do these things. But how could he be? Because he's just like an ordinary child. He loves to be cuddled by us. When we embrace him, he, he smiles and feels so much shelter in our embrace. And when we don't give him proper attention, he becomes so morose. He even cries. And sometimes he's hungry and he cries for food. And sometimes he's thirsty. And sometimes in his hunger and thirst, even after he's fed nicely, he comes to our homes and steals our butter, steals our yogurt, steals our ghee. And when you show to my or any other gopi tries to correct him. He tells lies and he chatters just like an ordinary little child with his friends. He steals, he lies. And when he goes out and tends the calves, he just plays. He's just our child, how could he be God? The contradiction, we can't understand. They approached Nanda Maharaj and explained these things to him. We do not understand. Who is your son? On one hand, he's lifting Govardhan Hill, this massive mountain, and he's just a seven-year-old child. And on the other hand, He's just the most playful child who attracts our hearts with parental love. When Nanda Maharaj heard their questions and saw their perplexity and saw how much they were relishing just talking about Krishna, he smiled. The cowherd men, they said, when he was just an infant the Rakshashi Putana this enormous demoniac being who had murdered countless little baby children and drank their blood and eaten their flesh this monster came to Vrindavan and disguised herself as a beautiful as a beautiful lady who had just come to bless the child. She gave Krishna the milk from her breast, which had been smeared with the deadliest of all poisons. 
enough to kill countless grown people. Krishna is just an infant, just born days before. And yet, Krishna sucked out her very life. Even when she assumed her enormous form, Krishna just held on to her and kept sucking and ultimately gave her liberation to be his own mother in this spiritual world. I may be expanding some other principles that are spoken later in the Bhagavatam, but that is inconceivable. And that same Krishna, when he was only three months old, he was put under a gigantic cart that was holding large, heavy utensils. And Krishna was lonely for his mother, a three-month-old child. And with the very tip of one of his toes, as he was crying for his mother, he happened to touch that cart, and the cart fell to the ground. And later it was revealed it was Sakatasura, a ghostly Asura demon who came to destroy the child. And when Krishna was only one year old, Kamsa had sent Trinavarta, a, a mystic terrorist who came to Brindavan in the form of a whirlwind and personally blinded everyone so no one could see anything. Dust was everywhere. And when the dust cleared, nobody could find Krishna because Trinavarta had brought him high, 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 way into the sky with the intent to kill him. And little Gopal, he didn't become, he didn't expand his size. He just remained a little baby. And he assumed heavier, heavier weight while the same exact size, his weight expanded to such an extent that this powerful Asura, who could uproot trees and uproot mountains, he couldn't hold that little baby anymore. And he tried to push him off and little baby Krishna with his arm, which is so soft and so smooth and so so precious, that little arm just squeezed the neck of Trinavarta and choked him, and he fell to the ground. And that little boy Krishna, once he was with his friends in Bandiravan, not Bandiravan, um, Kadiravan, in Kadiravan, and the Asura Baka came in the form of a huge bird. He was large like a mountain. And his huge sharp beak swallowed Krishna. 
and Balaram and all the friends, the gopas were crying out, what has happened? Alas, alas, the devatas were crying, alas. And Krishna appeared. In fact, he disappeared. There was no sight of him. He was inside the body of Bakasura. But Krishna, his body became heated. So hot that Bakasura could no longer digest him. He could no longer contain him in his throat. He vomited and Krishna came out. And then there was a great fight in Bakasura. This mighty, powerful bird was trying to pierce him to death. And Gopal was just dancing around, very artistically smiling. And ultimately, he separated the two sides of the beak of Bakasura and gave him liberation in the spiritual world. And then another Asura came, Batsa. He assumed the form of a calf, the most innocent, loving associate of Krishna. One of the calves that day stayed back with the mother cow. And of the many, many calves, this one was just very small, tender, loving looking calf. But actually, the intention of this very, very strong, supernaturally empowered um, demon had the intention of doing tremendous pain, damage, and destruction. His intention was to murder. And Krishna, he just welcomed the little calf and so gracious, but he knew. And then effortlessly Krishna went behind Vatsa and took him by the hooves and whirled him around. And he assumed his original form and Krishna threw him. He actually swirled him around and made him dizzy to the point where his soul was liberated from his body. And he threw him into the trees. And the cowherd man said he threw him especially into a kapita tree so that others could enjoy those fruits when they fell. And then there was Denuka. Denuka, this powerful asura, associate of Kamsa, and Krishna and Balaram liberated them in Talavan at Pralambasura. Fire and Krishna swallowed the fire. This fire was blazing in its fullness, a forest fire that could consume the entire Brindavan. It was uncontrollable. We know today, you know, how difficult it is to control a blazing fire forest fire and the path of destruction it could have. Well, this forest fire was far greater than any of these we have seen. And yet within a moment, Krishna swallowed it. And then that serpent 
Kalia. Kalia, he poisoned the lake to such an extent that nothing could live anywhere near it. Even the birds would die from the vapors of the poison way up above the sky. And Krishna, after being within the coils of Kalia for what seemed to be an endless period of time, and we were all fainting, and we were all um, unable to continue living, seeing Krishna in that condition, helplessly in the coils of Kalia. That was their love for Krishna. Sri Radha and the gopis, they loved Krishna so much. They didn't see him as God. They saw him as their beloved in the most precarious condition. And Nanda and Yashoda and the elder gopas and gopis, they, just, they loved him as their own son. During the Brahma v. Mohan Lila, Krishna actually personally became the children of all the cows and all the gopas and the gopis of Vrindavan. And personally for one year, reciprocated their love. They may not have known exactly why they loved their children limitlessly more than they ever loved them before, but it only increased their love for Krishna in every way. So now they're seeing Krishna in the coils of this serpent, and Yashodamai wants to jump in the lake. It's a poison lake, and Kali is enormous. What could she do? A simple gopi mother. The other gopis held her and they were singing Krishna's pastimes and singing Krishna's names and reminding Yashodamai about the beautiful pastimes when Krishna was tied by the rope and, and stole the butter and how wonderful is Krishna. And Yashoda would faint, and all the gopis would faint. And Nanda Maharaj wanted to go into the water and fight Kaliya, but Balaram was the only one who understood that there was no danger. Such love, such universal love. Imagine in that situation. The Brijabhasis, they were totally one with each other in their loving concern for Krishna's well-being. And they were totally one with Krishna in the ecstasy of their bhava or their love for him. And Krishna slipped out of the coils and danced on the hoods of Kaliya. Oh, and how he danced and danced and danced. It was such a beautiful dance that even though it was the most dangerous situation, Kaliya was with his many hoods and, and frighteningly sharp teeth was constantly trying to bite Krishna. His hoods, which were faster than the wind, were, were darting at Krishna again and again and again. It was so dangerous, yet Krishna was smiling and laughing and dancing 
on one hood after another, and somehow every time a hood came to, a mouth came to bite him, Krishna would jump on it and and um, defeat it through his dance, his feet, which are softer than the softest of flowers, softer than the softest of all soft things in all of creation are Krishna's lotus feet, and they're so beautiful. And yet to Kaliya, every time his foot came down in those most meticulously, artistically beautiful dance steps. It was like a thunderbolt crashing on his head. And ultimately, Kaliya surrendered. The Nagapatnis, the consorts of Kaliya, came and prayed to Krishna to forgive him. The same principle we spoke about with Surabhi and Indra. When a devotee who loves Krishna intervenes on our behalf, then Krishna hears their prayers. That is his nature forever. The Nagapatnis prayed, Krishna, please forgive him. Now, look at him. He's humble. He wants to take shelter of you. And even though Kaliya could not listen to the Dagapatnis of being great and conquering and being better, he couldn't listen to the Nagapatnis. They were simple-hearted. But their example did have a place in his heart that he could not recognize. And in the same way, even people when devotees, by their example, by their good wishes, by their efforts to try to help someone, even if it appears that there's no response, something is there inside. And when the right time comes, it actually can save us. Kalia, in the depths of his heart, was the example and the words that he neglected for years from the Nagapatnis, these simple ladies. But now, when he was in a crisis in his life and he saw them praying for him, he accepted them as his gurus. And following in their footsteps, he offered the same prayers as them, And from the core of his heart, he surrendered. He took shelter. And Krishna blessed him. The cowherd men were remembering all of these things and discussing, how is that? And now now today, that same little Krishna, he lifted the Govardhan hill. Who is Krishna? All we know is our affection for him, our attraction for him, is something something so uncontrollably beautiful and sweet. Krishna is irresistibly sweet 
and his love is infinitely sweet. And he's our child. How could he do these things? Is he God? Is he not God? Please, Nanda Maharaj, who is Krishna? And Nanda Maharaj shared with them something he never told anyone. Just after Krishna's appearance, Gargamuni was sent by Vasudev to give blessings to Krishna and Balaram. Because from Vasudev's perspective, both Balaram and Krishna were his children. And then Gargamuni revealed to Nanda Maharaj that this child is not ordinary. He comes into this world in different incarnations. Sometimes in Satya Yuga, he's in a white color. Sometimes in Treta Yuga, a red color. In And in Kali Yuga, he comes in a golden color. And now he's come in this beautiful color of the monsoon cloud. He will bestow all auspiciousness upon the residents of Gokul. He will attract the hearts of all the devotees in Gokul. Your child will perform activities that are not only meant to establish true spiritual principles and purify the pollutions of the wrong mentalities of this earth and the dangers, but he will also be so attractive to the hearts of all the bridge bossies. Your child is just like Narayan, the Supreme Lord. Gargamoni didn't say he was Narayan. He said he's just like Narayan. That fine line. <laughs> when Nanda Maharaj told the Gopas this, they were, they were all feeling, now we understand. He's not God, but he's like God. And in this mood, as Krishna performed his leelas, Nanda, Yashodamai, and all the Brijabhasis, they were just so attracted to the playfulness, to the beauty, to the sweet song of his flute, sing how how tender and loving the gopis, they were so afraid that Krishna could step on a pebble and hurt his feet, they would cry. And and Yashodamaya and Nanda Maharaj were always so concerned that he's hungry, he's thirsty, in this way, his friends, they would play with him. And sometimes they thought that they were defeating him. And Krishna would love to be defeated by his friends. They had a completely equal relationship. There was no protocol in Vrindavan. 
everyone simply loved Krishna as their own. And at the same time, there was just no envy. The spiritual world is the place where there's no envy. And Krishna revealed those same pastimes in this world to teach us how to overcome envy through the simple process of cultivating our attraction to the loving service of Krishna as the servant of the servant of the servant. The appearance of Krishna, we know the beautiful story of how Mother Earth, she approached Brahma because she was being exploited. And every living being on this earth is a child of Mother Earth. She's the universal mother. She saw her children being exploited. Due to arrogance and greed, people were, people were being abused. There was violence, emotional violence, physical violence, any type of violence, any pain is deeply felt by a loving mother. And Mother Earth was feeling for everyone. And all the beautiful resources, all the beautiful gifts that she's giving for all of her children's well-being, some of her children were so envious, so bad. They were exploiting it. They were polluting it. So that they were consuming it in such ways that other children were suffering. And she felt helpless. So she took form of a cow. Because a cow is a... is. Is a, is a particular animal that is completely dependent on human compassion. So she took that innocent form and went to Brahma. And along with the devatas, they went to the shore of the ocean of milk and prayed to the Lord, to, to the Paramatma, Sri Bhagavan Kshirodakshai Vishnu. And the Lord spoke through Brahma that he will appear in the Yadu dynasty. And the devatas should take birth in that dynasty. The son of Surasena was Vasudev. And he was marrying Devaki, the daughter of Devaka, who also happened to be the cousin brother of Kamsa, who was the son of Ugrasena, who was the prominent king of the Yadus at that time. During the marriage ceremony, everything went so auspicious. It was so nice. It was such a celebration of the heart for everyone. 
everyone loved Vasudeva, everyone loved Devaki, and everyone was well-wisher coming there to give blessings. And after on Vasudeva's chariot, he was going to bring Devaki to his home, Kamsa, this royal prince, the son of Ugrasena. He said, please, Devaki, let me show my affection for you by personally driving your chariot. Such an affectionate gesture, apparently. As they were moving forward, an unembodied voice resounded. Kamsa, you are a fool. The eighth child of your sister, Devaki, will be the cause of your death. Upon hearing that, Kamsa changed in every way. Fear, anger, arrogance, envy, all these qualities poured out from him. And with his left hand, he grabbed Devaki by the hair. And with his right hand, he drew his mighty sword. Now it is said that Kamsa, either of his arms had the power of 10,000 elephants. And with a sword that was compatible with the strength of his arms, he was just on the verge of severing the head of his own sister due to fear for his own safety, for his own position. Devaki was helpless. And even Vasudev, there was nothing anyone could do. Vasudev pleaded with Kamsa. He praised Kamsa. Please, you are such a pious man. Don't you know what type of sinful activity this is? And he was speaking beautiful philosophy about the nature of the soul and the nature of the body and the nature of the laws of karma and the nature of the next life and the nature of happiness in this life. But Kamsa could not hear a word because he was completely obsessed in his false ego. And then Vasudev promised Kamsa, you have no danger from your sister. I promise you, with the word of my honor, any child that comes, I will bring to you. You have no danger from your sister. Vasudev had such character that Kamsa knew 100% for certain if Vasudev gives his word, he will never go back on it. And on that basis, he freed them. Soon after that, Narada Muni came and told Kamsa that I was traveling, playing on my veena, singing the sweet glories of the Lord, And I came upon a gathering of devatas and sages and rishis, and they were discussing how Lord Vishnu 
was going to incarnate and your enemies, the Devatas, were going to incarnate with him specifically to kill you and your friends. In fact, Kamsa, in your previous life, you were named Kalanemi and you were killed by Vishnu. So you better be careful. Narada Muni stirred things up because he knew deeply exactly what was the truth of what was about to unfold. Narada Muni mysteriously was everyone's well-wisher. And he was an instrument to bring the Lord to this world. Kamsa became very angry. He put Devaki and Basudev in shackled chains in a dungeon prison house. And his associates, Denuka, Pralama, Arista, they began to plunder all directions. And wherever there was goodness, they tried to destroy. Meanwhile, six children were born of Devaki. And in that prison, Kamsa murdered each and every one of them right before the eyes of the mother and father, Devaki Basudev. Then Krishna approached Yoga Maya and told him, you take birth as a daughter of Yashoda. But before that, my first expansion, my dearest brother, Balaram, is going to appear in the womb of Devaki. But actually, his eternal mother in the spiritual world is Rohini. So transfer Balaram from the womb of Devaki to Rohini. And you take birth as the child of Yashoda. And I will enter the womb of Devaki. After the six sons of Marichi, who took, who represented lust and envy and anger and greed and anger and an illusion and arrogance, after they were removed, Srila Prabhupada quotes Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur that Devaki represents bhakti. Kamsa represents fear of material nature. And when a devotee takes shelter of the Lord with a very careful and attentive heart because of the fears of material nature, and from the womb of Bhakti, Krishna takes birth. And in the process, lust and anger and envy and greed and arrogance and illusion are all removed. 
And then Balaramji, the original spiritual master, entered the womb of Devaki to make everything completely special for the arrival of his beloved Krishna. Then he was transferred to Rohini in Gokul. When Krishna entered into the womb of Devaki, Srimad Bhagavatam tells how the devatas offered beautiful prayers. And on this day, Janmashtami, at midnight, the supreme absolute truth, the personality of Godhead, the source of the all-pervading impersonal Brahman, the source of the Paramatma who's seated within everyone's heart, that all-attractive supreme lover and enjoyer and the supreme giver of enjoyment, Ram, appeared from the... First he appeared in the mind of Vasudev and was transferred to the heart of Vasudev. And from the heart of Vasudev, he entered the heart of Devaki and then manifest himself in the womb of Devaki. And it was on this day that he just appeared from outside the womb of Devaki in his beautiful form of Vishnu. The prison house was so dark. It was so lonely. There was so much suffering and antagonism. Actually, when Krishna was in the womb of Devaki, Devaki became so effulgent, Kamsa knew this is the eighth child. The seventh appeared to be a miscarriage. But now I see her effulgence and I see her happiness. This is the child I must kill. This is Vishnu. Kamsa, day and night, was remembering Krishna in hatred and fear. If he was sleeping all night, he was dreaming in anger and fear and envy of God. When he was eating, when he was walking, when he was sitting, 24 hours a day, he was absorbed in remembering Krishna. But with hatred, not with love. With a desire to harm, not with a desire to serve. Meanwhile, Krishna appeared in the prison whenever... And, and at that time, everyone fell asleep except Vasudev and Devaki. All the guards, everyone in Mathura was asleep. Krishna's yoga nidra. And there was the supreme personality of Godhead in his forearm form holding the disc and the, and the, and the conch shell, and the club, and the lotus flower, and he had the beautiful Kostuba Mani decorating his chest, and beautiful earrings, and, and crown, and yellow, yellow, yellow cloth. He was giving the most splendid 
shining, splendorous light in the darkness of that prison. Vasudeva understood who he is and prayed to him. And Devaki prayed. And Devaki prayed that because of her motherly affection, she understood he's God, but still she was his mother. And she that love for her overwhelmed her, her awareness of his godness. That Kams has already killed six of my children because he's afraid of Vishnu. But now, now, if he sees you like this, he'll know you're Vishnu for sure. He may harm you. So please disguise your form. I want to hide you, but I can't hide you if you look like this. So become just like an ordinary, innocent little baby. Krishna instructed Vasudev that take me to Gokul. Exchange me for the little daughter that's born to Yashoda and bring her back here. And then the almighty Lord Vishnu transformed himself into the innocent little newborn baby, Gopal. Simultaneously, it's a beautiful story, but it's another story. Simultaneous, at the exact same moment that Krishna appeared from the womb of Devaki, Krishna was born in Vrindavan, Gokul, as the son of Yashoda and Nanda. They also prayed for a child, and in their dreams they saw little Gopal and fell in love with him and just wanted him to be their child. And Gopal assured them, I will. Yashodamai gave birth to twins, Krishna and his younger sister, Yogamaya. And they were both laying on her bed in that special private place where she gave birth to them. And by the Yogamaya power of the Lord, she fell asleep and could not really remember who she gave birth to. At that time, Vasudev came with the Krishna who was born in Mathura. And that Krishna entered into the original form of Krishna in Gokul. Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead and all the avatars and all the incarnations and Vishnu are all expansions of him. And when Krishna appears personally, all the avatars and all the incarnations are all present within him. So the Vasudev Krishna became one with the Yashoda Nanda Nanda Nandan Krishna. But Vasudev couldn't even recognize what was happening. He put his little baby down and took Yogamaya back. Meanwhile, when he returned to the prison of Kamsa, 
He put the little child, the little daughter, in Devaki's lap. And all the shackles locked on their legs. And all the prison doors again locked. And everyone woke up. And that little girl, Yoga Maya, cried so loud that the guards immediately came running. And they ran to Kamsa and told him, the child is born. Kamsa was laying in his bed. He was so outraged. He just ran immediately. His hair was all messed up. He drew, he, he ran to that prison cell with the sole intent of murdering the child. He, David, he saw him coming. He looked so ferocious, his eyes burning with hatred. And David, he was holding this little infant girl in her arms, crying, please, my brother, you are such a great person. You're such a hero. Why do you want to kill this little girl? I'm your sister. You've already killed six of my children. This is all I have left. Just give me her. Give me this one gift. Let me have this daughter. The beautiful thing about this, of course, there's so many beautiful things that are in, that are impacted within any Leela of the Lord. But Devaki, she was crying from the core of her heart and pleading for the life of this little girl. And this was one child that she knew was not her own. She knew that this girl was the daughter of Yashoda. Still, Devaki loved that child as much or more than she could ever love her own child. That was the loving relationship that she had with Yashoda. And the compassionate nature of Devaki's heart. She was crying and pleading for the child of Yashoda. This is a little girl. You have nothing to fear from her. I promise. Just give me this gift. Kamsa. So ruthless, he grabbed that child out of Devaki's hand and lifted her to smash her to death against a stone. But as his arm was raised, the little child mystically slipped out of his hand and went into the sky and manifested her form of Durga. Riding on a lion with eight arms with celestial weapons. And she told Kamsa that the child, why do you want to harm and kill me? What is, use is that? The eighth child of Devaki has already been born somewhere else and will be the cause of your death. Stop causing harm to your sister and your brother-in-law. There is no sense. It's from Vasudev and Devaki for all the harm he caused them. And he started speaking philosophy about the nature of destiny and begged them to forgive him. 
Vasudev and Devaki seeing his repentance and their pure heart, they totally forgave Kamsa and became peaceful. And Kamsa set them free. So everything seemed so all right. Meanwhile, Kamsa told his associates what just happened, what Durga had just said. And his associates completely changed his mind. They told him, you are so powerful, you are so great. Even the demigods fear you. Why should you? Why should you compromise? If we destroy the Vaishnavas, if we destroy religious principles, if we destroy the good things of this world, then Vishnu will not survive here. So let us destroy it all. And they decided any child born within two weeks before anywhere in the area in the kingdom will be killed. And soldiers and armies went out and Rakshashas went out hunting for children to kill them. When this was going on, in the early morning, Nandotsava, Yashodamai awoke and saw little baby Krishna beside her. And one of the nurses called Rohini and Rohini called one of the Brahmin's wives and they and they went out to the to the place where Nanda Maharaj was was milking cows and told and as soon as Nanda Maharaj saw the, the smile and the illuminated, illuminated countenance of this lady who had tears of joy in her eyes, he understood, my son is born. My child is born. And when he came and to the place of Krishna's birth in Gokul, he had... Rohini Devi took little Gopal from the arms of Yashoda and put him in the arms of Nanda. And at that time, all the Brijabhasi celebrated this festival of the birth of Krishna. How wonderful, how joyous. Krishna attracted everyone's hearts so dearly. Everyone loved Krishna. Krishna so much that they were just so happy that he was the son of Nanda and Yashoda because they loved Krishna so much they knew that no one could give Krishna more love than Nanda and Yashoda so they were from the core of their hearts from the very eternal love of their souls they were celebrating that Krishna is the son of Nanda and Yashoda to be the servant of the servant of the servant is the highest joy and the greatest way of giving pleasure to the Lord. The celebration Nanda 
Maharaj, he called Brahmins to chant mantras and pujas and, and yagyas. And there was so much musical instruments playing and there was dancing and they were bathing Krishna in most auspicious abhishek, uh, various um, sacred items. And as they were dancing and, and, and singing, they were, they were reciprocating love with each other for the pleasure of Krishna. They decorated the cows with beautiful ornaments, beautiful silks and turmeric with special oils. And they, they, were, they were smearing and tossing upon each other various types of dahi and butter and ghee and mixtures of all of them together. And they were just smiling and such a dance and a celebration of love. Krishna has come. They didn't know he's God, but they loved him more than anybody could ever love God. That is the beauty of Gokul. And Krishna's little infant child, his glance, his smile was the ultimate treasure of every Brijabhasi's heart. Just the remembrance of the beauty of his form, the charm of his every movement was the ultimate pleasure for their very souls. And it was on that day of Nandotsava, the celebration of Krishna coming to this world that our beloved Guru Maharaj, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada appeared in the holy land of Godadesh, Bengal to a family of great devotees of Sri Sri Radha Govinda. Krishna sent his beloved associate from the spiritual world to teach all of us that Janmashtami is not only a day, it is an eternal reality. That Krishna, who is within our hearts, and Krishna, who is in his eternal abode, and Krishna who manifests his abode in this world is Bhoma Brindavan. That Lord is our ever constant well-wisher. The ultimate object of love and the ultimate lover. Srila Prabhupada was born in the land of Bengal, the land of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the very area where Lord Goranga Mahaprabhu performed his lila. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahiyanya. Lord Chaitanya's Krishna in the mood of Sri Radha, who has come to teach us how to love Krishna, 
who has come to welcome us into the eternal pastimes of Vrindavan. Paramakaruna Pahundui Jananitai Godachandra. Brajendra Nandana Jay Sachishuta Hoyloshe Balarama Hoylonitai. Mahaprabhu is Lord is Krishna and Nityananda Prabhu is Balaram. And they have come to give the highest benediction of Prema Bhakti. And the method they extracted the very essence from all the Vedas, the nine processes of devotional service. Saravana kirtana smarana bandana pada sevana dasyare pujana sakijana atmana vedana. And of those nine processes, especially hearing and chanting in the association of devotees of the Lord is very powerful. Kalikale namarupe Krishna avatar. Krishna has incarnated in the sound vibration of a mantra of the holy names, with all his powers, with all his beauty and sweetness. It's all to be realized if we learn to take shelter of Krishna. And taking shelter of Krishna in sincerely chanting Krishna's names and serving the purpose of the holy names, Paramakaruna, when we share this treasure of Harinam Sankirtan with others, Krishna is so very pleased. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu blesses us. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he compared himself to a fruit seller. My fruits are ecstatic prema, love of God. And I have so many fruits, how many can I distribute? Those who love me, Please help me to distribute these fruits. This Krishna consciousness movement that Srila Prabhupada established is for that very purpose. Srila Prabhupada asked us to do two things. Just open your heart to receive what I have given you and share it with others. the holy names of Krishna, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the temples and the deities in the temples, the community of devotees. Prabhupada has given all this to us to take it seriously and to share it with others. Srila Prabhupada was born on Nandotsav on the day of the celebration of Krishna's appearance in this world. And actually, Krishna was born in lockdown. Devaki, Vasudeva, they were locked down. They were quarantined to the maximum extent. And they also had to see so many people die. It was a very gloomy situation. It was a very dark place and they couldn't go anywhere. And it was in that scene that Krishna appeared to them. 
Krishna Surya Samaya Hayandakanta to give light to the whole world. So each of us may be, may be restricted due to this COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, Kamsa's like a virus. Kamsa locked down Devaki and Vasudev and caused the death and suffering of so many. And it was that scene that Krishna appeared. So there's no, there's no material situation that can impede our spiritual progress if we take shelter. We take shelter of the association of devotees, whether it's physically in the temple, physically sharing our homes, or whether it's through Zoom or Facebook or any of these other um, internet media devices, or whether it's through the books that Srila Prabhupada has given us to treasure the association of devotees, to value the association of devotees in whatever way we could connect. Not to expect things to go our way, but to adjust to whatever the situation is, to treasure and seek out the association of devotees in whatever way we can. To seek out the treasures of knowledge of these holy books. And to seek out the shelter of Krishna's names by sincerely, attentively, in our japa, in our bhajan, in our kirtan, crying out for Krishna's mercy. And then today and every day, we can celebrate Krishna's appearance in our hearts and in our lives. I wish you all blessings and grace on this holy day of John Mastami. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai. Ananti Kodi Vaishnava Brinda ki jai. Sri Shiradha Gopinath ki jai. Thank you very much. <laughs>